0: We are teaching children that their hobbies, likes, and dislikes either match their physical bodies or do not. We are teaching them to adhere to pink and blue stereotypes. This is not progressive. This is backwards. I do not want my two sons exposed to an ideology that would tell them that if they wanted to wear pink or dance ballet, that their body and their mind are not in alignment. I want my sons to know that I will love them no matter how they look, how they dress, how they love, or what they do. They were not born in the wrong body. They were born in their own bodies and they are absolutely perfect. Parents, please band together feminists please continue to speak out build connections across the political aisle we need every single voice we need all of you thank you
1: Welcome to Gender Critical Story Hour. I'm Esme, and the clip we opened with was an excerpt from the speech Amy delivered in April this year on the steps of the Vancouver Art Gallery for a parental rights rally, an event that of course drew the standard accusations in the corporate press of, quote, transphobia. And yes, that honking you heard in the background, you guessed it, gender ideologues circling the block with their car horns blaring, trying desperately to drown out the speakers very mature. Amy and I recently chatted about that event along with nonpartisan movement building and what it means to be a bad woman. Hi Amy, how's it going out there?
2: Uh, It's going. Yeah, We were just mentioning that we're both so sick of lockdown. I I know everybody in this country
1: is at this point, but Mm -hmm. it's just dragging on. Yeah. I do not understand the rationale behind a lot of this because I mean, I think, I think we're just, I mean, there's strangeness all around. So yeah, in general in society, right. Like just like there's a lot of um, unhingedness going on. So let's use that as a jumping yeah. off point. <laughs> you, uh, yeah. There's been a, there's been a lot of stuff going on with um, what, Cosbar is up to what the Canadian scene is happening with gender critical women, yeah. And, and you've been very busy writing for the post millennial, which has you um coming coming out with like regularly with with stories on what's going on with ge- uh, gender criticism and the Canadian and the international scene, which is yeah. amazing. And while you're working and being a mom and everything and doing Cosbar and writing for the post millennial, so um you're doing an amazing job and oh thank you lots going on
0: and there's a
2: new project um in the pipeline to kind of be uh there's a new i i can't say a whole lot there's a new youtube channel coming out that will have like a live weekly news show that i think i'll be a co-host on that mm. and then regular videos so that's, that's great uh, yeah maybe in the next month or two
1: it will start fantastic I'm busy so you, you recently for the post-millennial um, wrote a, a piece about quote unquote bad women um, of which you and I are apparently part of the gang of bad women, according to yeah. <laughs> the intersectional feminists, the liberal feminists, the libfems, as they are called. And we are we are not them. Um, and uh, um, so from from that piece, um, I'm just going to read a, a, little, a little passage, something that, re- that resonated. Okay, so this is Amy from her piece in the Postmanial. Uh To the females who cannot, whether by ignorance or stupidity or malice, see the importance of women upholding our distinct sex class in law and in our culture, remember this. You place stones on the backs of women fighting for our liberation at home and abroad. You weigh us down. You make this fight more difficult. You make this fight more painful, but we will carry on stones and all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that, that's how a lot of us are feeling right now. I think you captured that very well. And, and particularly most recently with the uh, Sarah Silverman, (laughs) <laughs> a little, oh, little video right oh, yeah. <laughs> of like yeah. coming to coming to the to the d- defense of uh trans women athletes and saying that uh jenner uh doesn't know what jenner is talking about and uh and yeah. and being disgusted and co- here here's here sarah silverman is is calling a trans woman transphobic i mean this yeah. is like beyond the beyond now right I know. I think
2: it was Claire Lehman on Twitter, maybe that was saying, you know, what what happened to lived experience? Why is she speaking over a trans woman about this? Exactly. I thought, I thought lived experience was the be all and end all.
1: And she's a, she's a cis not. hat. She's Sarah is a cis hat, and yeah. so yeah. Why does uh, in the intersectionality and the the power grid, uh, yeah. the uh, the ladder of power, um, you know. He's on the top rung. Mm-hmm. So she's yeah. got to listen to the sisters below her. Yeah. Caitlyn Jenner, the sister. <laughs> but yeah, I, well, that's I what
2: her a snarky comment that I, I've never liked her comedy. I've actually mm-hmm. never found her funny. So I think I just said something on her post about, I don't know what's worse, your comedy or your hot take on this issue.
1: I know. She I at times I found her to be very funny but then mm. she started g- getting into um just like the caca pee pee poo poo um <laughs> as I call it humor where it's like she's just it was supposed to be funny and shocking just because she was talking about you know she was swearing a lot and talking mm. about bodily functions and you know fucking and things like that and, and it's just like mm, yeah yeah, yeah. So okay, um you know we 're all adults, and you know haha that 's funny, but it 's not very sophisticated and then no. and then she flip flopped and she was a Bernie bro, and then she went for um, Hillary after he dropped out and was like all in on hillary now and it 's just like, yeah, you know wh- whichever way the wind blows that, that 's kind of celeb- celebrity culture right now it 's just like whatever they think is going to get them the views and going to get them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the uh, the the approval of the mm-hmm. target audience, right? So
2: she took a bit of a risk after the Louis C.K. cancellation happened, <clears throat> coming out and saying that she was friends with C.K. and still that she had complicated feelings about it and felt like he should be able to apologize and mm-hmm. kind of uncancelled. So I found that really surprising, and I almost. Part of me is cynical and just wondering, is she now doing this to try to regain the favor of um, woke people? Because that didn't go over very well for her when she defended Louis C.K.
1: Right. It could be. Who knows? I mean, and also they have their their whole team behind them. When they get to that stage, they have, they have their agent, their manager, their handlers, their publicists, like, you know, advising them on, on what to be saying and what what to be going after, right? And it's yeah. it's always it's hey, it's capitalism. What can I say, right? Yeah, it's all about the dollars. Everything is all all about the dollars with Hollywood. There's nothing yeah. that isn't about making money about Hollywood.
2: No, no, and we all know if you're trying to make money today, you need to virtue signal about the rainbow unicorn stuff. That's the best. It's the best way to do it right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Definitely is. And we see them all doing it, just jumping on and not even really thinking it through. Like I get the feeling that the ones that are jumping on um, haven't really put any thought whatsoever into the wider implications or what are the next steps to this type of an ideology? You know, what, what's going to happen to the children? Like they just, they're just sort of like putting their hands over their, ears and just going, I don't want to hear any dissenting views, um, because um, I, am, I am righteous. Yeah. I am virtuous, and I am kind. And what you're saying is mean. Yeah. It's pretty pathetic.
2: i you know, I'd be willing, I guess that's kind of like going back to what I said, whether it's like ignorance, stupidity, or malice. Um, I can forgive ignorance and stupidity, but uh, it starts to become malicious when that quote that you read um, about you know the women who who don't know what 's going on, maybe there's ignorance or stupidity, and I can forgive both of those, but I think a lot of the people who are being malicious and willfully not listening to us or trying to gaslight and pretend that, you know, that there's not this rights conflict going on and just, it, it's infuriating. It really is.
1: How much of it um, do you think is just internalized um, female socialization where, you know, we're taught just from when we're super little to be nice and to be uh, not to exclude anybody. And how much of it is that? And how much of it is, you think is really you know uh, something else? What well, I don't know what it w- might be.
2: I don't know. I think about this often, trying to yeah, trying to parse this as well. And I honestly can't say that I know for sure. Like I do think to an extent, it's our socialization, but I don't think that can account for all of it. Um, I I really don't know. I know when I look at things like that poll that was done in the UK about um, not having sex segregated spaces and there were more males who opposed uh, this than there were females and to me I was I guess when I saw that I was like yeah it's because males know what it's like to be a male like Mm -hmm. they know they know male behavior they know what Mm -hmm. it's like you know so I think the thought of Women not having their own spaces is, is a bit repulsive to them, and I, maybe for women we don't necessarily get it if we're trying to be nice, as they say.
1: Hmm. I definitely think that's the, the reason why men really get this is because they know how men can be, and they, you know, not all men, of course, because you know, yeah, uh, my. You know, my husband and my son, they're kind-hearted. They're respectful towards women. And so many of my friends, I have a lot of male friends, you know. And, um, but male pattern violence is real and they know it and they know it um, intimately because yeah. they are a man. And so, you Their know, sexuality I- is different too, like it's <laughs> men.
2: Men are the ones that have fetishes. Women don't have fetishes,
1: so sure, sure. not not like that. I mean, there are some, but like it's it's mainly a male sort of thing. And yep. um, my friend, uh, a really good friend of mine, who's actually a comedian, and and he's he's just one of the funniest guys I know. And he was he was half joking. He said this. Because we were talking about the differences between men and women, and, and I and this was years ago. This is like going back twenty five years ago when we were talking about this, and i said, and I guess maybe it was because um, I'd read something about a transsexual or whatever, and and you know we are talking about thinking about what what it might feel like to be the opposite sex and I said, okay. I really can't as much as I, I love men, I have a lot of male friends, I grew up with boys." Um, I can identify on m- many different levels with with guys, but I will never, I will never know what it, what that feels like. And he said, uh, "Yeah, you know, the testosterone thing is is really you really have to manage it because basically what it does to you, to a guy is, it, you know, it's like you're thinking as you go through life, can I fuck it or can I kill it?" <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> you know and he that was just like his very you know funny and like very um you know hyper hyperbolic way of of making yeah. this point right but but it's like it's male it's t- and 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 i think a lot of male socialization in society is all about teaching boys how they can handle the te- their testosterone like so we have we have school, we have church, we have the military, we have, you know, all of these ways we have the arts, we have sub sublimation of s- sexuality and, and putting that, that, that energy out into art and, yeah. and, you know, theater and all of that. Like it's all just, and, you know, especially sports, like that's yeah. really a way for them to control um, their testosterone. And um, yeah.
2: Even even before puberty, you know, people comment a lot on the differences between raising girls and raising boys. And I'm raising two young boys, mm-hmm. and I see the difference with little girls that oh. are playing nicely, and my kids are just like wrecking balls. <laughs> and they like it, it, they wrestle, yeah. and they tumble around, and they're just bouncing off the walls. And, and not
1: because you but, taught them that. Like I, I I've had the same. Um, experience because you know i was a, a, a feminist from like day one and and then you know yeah. we're we're you know so that like second wave feminism it's just like women can do and girls can do what boys can do women can girl and we you can be anything you can do anything you want so we're breaking down the barriers of what those you know divisions are between the sexes and whatever and so you start internalizing that and thinking, oh, we're very much the same. Um, but the, And then you go and you have a baby and you have a baby boy and you're teaching that boy to be kind and gentle and a little gentleman and everything. But the thing is, is that little boy is still, I wouldn't let him have guns. Like he always were, was looking at the toy guns and I, I wouldn't allow him to have that, right? Because yeah. I was just teaching him to be nonviolent. But what would he do every time we're out in the park? he finds uh, like a twig, uh, yeah. a, you know, and it's like, pew, 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 pew. Like it becomes, it yeah. becomes a weapon, right? Like that yeah. there's an impulse there within <laughs> boys. They're the, the warriors, the protectors and whatever. And th- these are good things for society. in if they're managed yeah. properly, right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, this comes
2: down to, again, you know, it's related to, the gender-critical stuff, it's like we want people to be who they are. You don't have to fall into these stereotypes. You can be free to be whoever you would like to be, but that doesn't mean, like all the weird postmodern theory, that we are equal in the sense that men and women are exactly the same or that, yeah. you know, you, you could be We're born a have like a male brain or a female brain. And it's just so...
1: No, that's ridiculous. Nonsense. But But there yeah. are patterns, right? Like there are general... Yeah averages and patterns where where girls girls are going to be more interested in following um professions and activities that involve connecting with other people and boys are going to be more interested on average with a pattern in following activities that that are like object oriented and technology oriented and you know um that's just just the way it is. And mm-hmm. even down to the communication styles and things like that. I mean, that is just something that just is kind of hardwired and that, but that doesn't mean that we all have to be that way or that we should, yeah. you know, have to adhere to these standards and stereotypes. It's just like, there's always going to be outliers. There's always going to be, you know, the, the kids who are just like, like the boys who are a little, like my brother, you know, like one Christmas, so I would have been like six or eight and he was like four or six around, around that, that age group. And I asked for a baseball glove and yeah. my brother asked for a toy vacuum. Oh, <laughs> yeah. My brother turned out to be gay. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like, like that was just his interest. And that yeah. was just my interest was more like a boy's interest, and his interest was more like a un- quote unquote girl's interest. And mm-hmm. my parents, my mother, because my mother was in charge of getting, because well, the, the, well, that's what the that's what the mums, that's what the female does yeah. is organizes Christmas, right? So she's yeah. he's out buying the presents, being Santa, and um, she even back then in the around 1970, early 70s. Um, she was and she's like kind of traditional in a way she was still open-minded enough to like he got what he wanted he got his little toy vacuum and I got my baseball glove right so so like what happened since then I mean that's like the perfect thing and like my brother grew up and became gay and he's happy and you know and to this day he loves you know keeping a beautiful clean house he, he loves, loves vacuuming. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> That's Amongst funny. Many other things, but uh, yeah, I don't know how we got off on that that weird tangent. But uh, <sighs> yeah, uh, but stereotypes and and women and like why are they? Yeah, why are they? Mm-hmm. Why are they thinking? I think part of the other thing is is this idea, and especially for both men and women in. Completely getting on board with the gender identity ideology is that they want to appear to be sophisticated. Yeah. And shit and in the know and cool and everything because that's what the cool kids are believing now is like, you know, you have to uh, support everybody. Yeah. You know, support trans kids and whatever. And oh, isn't that great?
2: Ironic because it's just the most mind numbingly deranging. Bullshit. When <laughs> you, it's like it's so mm-hmm. irrational, so nonsensical. Once you actually start to pull it apart, that. Uh, I, but I, maybe that's partly it. Is it's always been that way, where there's kind of a, um, yeah, I don't know. Now I'm just gonna sound snobby, but most people are average, <laughs> so you know.
1: I most people do not want to step outside of the crowd. Like they don't want to like, like put their head above the parapet. They don't want to, you know, be open to any sort of criticism or anything like that. And that, that I guess gets back to the theme of bad women. Um, Yeah. Those of us who are in this fight, it's just like, you get to a point where you go, I don't really care what you think. You know, I, I, I really, for the most part, I mean, in person. And again, this comes back to the, coming out as gender critical, which you have been out for a long time. I came, I've come out in the last year, um, Mm -hmm. as revealing my name and being out, you know, my face, um, and speaking openly at the prison protest and all of that stuff. Um, I'm out on Mm -hmm. Twitter. Um, I don't really get into it too much on Facebook. I just, there are just too many sanctimonious, um, virtue signaling, friends of mine on Facebook that I just like, it's not going to even be worth my effort. Basically, this is a technique that I use is that I put out like, for instance, today, I posted about um, Laurel Hubbard um, the, with a New Zealand face, um, New, Zealand, <laughs> New Zealand facelifter, the New Zealand <laughs> weightlifter on Facebook um, that I posted that and um, I just, put, I, I actually, I shared a Women's Liberation Front um, post on Facebook and I don't really comment too much about it, but I put, and on my Facebook uh, profile, I, I have adult human female. So that's a little signal to anybody who knows what that means. Yeah, <laughs> But that's in general, nice. I don't think it's really too much, but every now and again, you get a comment on Facebook and yeah. you know that people are going to be open to your Uh, views and then what I do is then I take that into a private chat and I and I basically say like if they signal to me that they're ready to know what I'm doing in the advocacy then I go to chat and I go hey I noticed that you made the comment you should know that like I'm a founding member of Cosbar this is what we're doing and nine times out of ten they go that's amazing this needs this so needs to be done and everything so just a little by little it takes longer than broadcasting it over Facebook that, you know, to all your, like, I have like 1200, like Facebook friends. Yeah. And and to have every single one of them, because I know so many from so many different environments that, yeah. um, And some from work, some from my film, some from, you know, and it's just like, mm, it's risky for me to like, like just broadcast it out there. So I just sort of like, yeah, very surgical about yeah. How I, how I do my um my 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 peak transing stuff. Oh yeah.
2: It's totally fair. I mean I don't have anyone left on my social media that is kind of a rabid trans activist. And I would I would be happy to keep them around and continue dialoguing with them, but these are the people who will flip out on you and then delete you and block you because they don't want to engage in the dialogue. Um so that you know yeah. I they're all gone from my life at this point. And it, yeah, like I've gone through that and now I'm dealing with people trying to get me fired from my job and I'm, yeah, I can't get into it, but that's something that's really shitty that I'm dealing with. And it's something that I completely understand when people are afraid of, of coming out.
1: Yeah. You are going through hell with that, and that is completely unfair, and it is real, and it's a real threat, and it is really no wonder why so many women um, are just apprehensive. Uh, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I really stayed as underground as I possibly could because um, of my livelihood. Yeah. It was really about about the livelihood. I really don't care what people think. I mean, I'm very open about being, I've been anti-lockdown from day one. I've been... You know, um, out about that. I, I took a lot of abuse about that. I, I you know, and it's just like um, I'm of an age now where I really don't care what yeah. you think. Like, and if you and if you sure. don't like my views, like, bye bye. I, I really, don't, oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't really care. Yeah, and that because that's how they keep you down. They keep it you is. down because you because of social ostracization, you know, yeah. like they just, like so many people are afraid. It's like, it's like perpetual high school. Oh, yeah. I don't want to be like the out person. I don't want to, you know. Yeah. Be, and it's, the crowd.
2: Mm-hmm. you know, it's like there's the woke crowd, but then there's also the people who ostensibly on, are on our side, um, kind of... So I spoke at a rally recently in Vancouver that was mm. against, um childhood medical transition. I caught a lot of flack before doing that from women who are against gender identity ideology. And they were pissed off that I was speaking alongside some people, including like Maxime Bernier, Um, Derek Sloan whether you know like conservative or ex-conservative party now and then People's Party of Canada and some religious people Um, and it it made me so angry. I actually had women sending me private messages asking for an explanation as to why I was speaking at the event and I'm just kind of like well first (laughs) you like, you know, I'm speaking at the event. It's because I'm nonpartisan and I've made it really clear. I, like I work with Cosbar, we're nonpartisan. Um, I, I, that's never been a surprise. So obviously that's why I'm doing it. And it's like, the second thing is that you you already know that, that is the answer. And I think the fact that you're even asking this is like, you're not actually seeking an answer to that question. You're just exerting or you're trying to make me feel ashamed
1: Mm -hmm.
2: and it's not working. Like I didn't answer anyone who messaged me that because it's like, you know, the answer, I don't need to tell it, you know it. And you're just, you know, it's, you're, you're not going to shame me. You're, you should be on my side. And I don't know if people want to play purity politics, they can, hold their own events and speak to the same group of 50 women who are all in agreement about Mm -hmm. correct politics and nobody outside of that circle will ever hear the message and they can do that on and on and on and uh, nothing's going to change. So we've chosen to do it differently.
1: Yeah. Like they were doing that for several years, uh, and nothing was really happening. It wasn't getting outside of the echo chamber. And then we broke on the scene and we were just like, you know, we're going to do it differently. Yeah, we did get flack right from the start. It's like, you know, um, why, why are you representing this way? You know, your website, the girls are too young and pretty. Why don't you be more (laughs) like, this is like, we're just doing it the way we want to do it. Like we don't need your approval. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and uh, and
1: what we're doing is
2: working because we've had people are noticing. There were two, so two things we were going to talk about was the this anti hate network
1: mm-hmm.
2: hit yeah. piece on yeah. uh, on mostly on Cosbar, and then it, they you know were also coming hard and trying to link me to Cosbar to kind of discredit the organization, um and then there is another letter that just came out and it was signed over 100 women's groups signed it and it's this big anti-turf letter and I don't think either of these things would have happened unless all of these people were afraid because they recognize that we have a growing voice and people are listening and noticing and I guarantee you it's because we're nonpartisan and we represent and work with whoever we need to.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep they see us as a threat as they should because we are a threat to what they're doing, um, and that's not a threat <laughs> in any other way than that—that um, uh, that we just the threat of being heard is basically yeah. what the threat is. Like, like We're a threat uh, to their
2: bullshit ideology. Let's say,
1: right? right. Yeah. I mean, just the other side of of the argument needs to be uh, available to people because right now they think there's only one side because that's all that's being pumped out in the media and in in academia um, Mm -hmm. is just one side and you know I I can't even believe that for instance myself uh, who's pretty well read and um, I mean I took a great interest in feminism growing up and as a teenager in university and then by the time we had the the eighties you know the late eighties and everything um everything had basically you know like it was pretty good for us girls, you know i mean there's always going to be injustice to girls yeah and there's always going to be it, but in general it, it wasn 't too bad, so we kind of rested on our laurels in a sense, right. and then the third wave came around, and I was just like, oh my God, this is." insane (laughs) like what are you people talking about slut walks and like burlesque shows and everything like this is just like antithesis but i didn't really know about radical feminism until i got involved in the gender wars um yeah and um of course i knew the names of course i knew you know um Uh, Dworkin and all that kind of stuff. Right. But, but I didn't really pay too much attention to radical feminism. And that's when, when I did, I was just like, wow, this feels like a homecoming. It's like, I didn't know because the messages are so strong and so ubiquitous about for uh, third wave feminism and all of you know the liberal feminism, intersectional feminism, it's all you're getting, that when I started finding out that radical feminism was, you know, anti porn anti prostitution, um yeah. anti surrogacy, I was like, wow, I just thought that I held these views because I was um, an outlier. Like, sure. <laughs> I, didn't there, I, I didn't know there like that maybe yeah. As I was yeah. square <laughs> yeah. you know or something like that um yeah. but but I, yeah same but, thing for me yeah where it's like, oh, I'm not like a prude am I yeah uh. yeah and they and you know you would be shamed if you said that you were against porn or prostitution you know they would make they would make jokes with you oh it's well you know it's the oldest profession in the world when you know um as if that's supposed to excuse it, it's that it from being the oldest oppression in the world, you know, like they, they don't think about that. It's just like, well, well, throwing up your hands. Well, you know, men want to fuck and women and want to make money. So, Hey, it's perfect. Right. It's like, no, yeah. no it's not perfect. You know, it's so, a convenient pat answer to it. Um, yeah. yeah. Was yeah. it Julie Bindle who said if, um, if sex work is
2: work, then rape is just unpaid work, something like that, or work unpaid. It was more eloquent, yeah.
1: you yeah. know, that was the sentiment behind it. It makes, it makes a lot of sense. And, and I think it, I think it was Rachel Moran who said uh, when a woman is hungry, um, you put food in her mouth, not your dick. Yeah. Like, you know, let's it just her. really Yeah. You know, she's great. Yeah, I think that was her who said that. Um, Yeah. yeah, So, so getting back to the anti-hate hit piece, uh, Mm -hmm. I know that it made a little bit of a a rustle around our parts. Um, And my first reaction was, oh, great. Um, We've arrived. Our first hit piece. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because we know that we're not doing anything wrong. Yeah right? Like we have nothing to worry about. We're not hating anybody. We're not, you know, slandering anybody. We're not defaming anybody, but they were defaming us. Oh yeah. Um, And so we have written a, uh, um, a counter to that. We, a rebuttal, which will, will get put out. Um, and it's just ridiculous. I mean, it, it, the arguments are so weak and feeble, and they're like all kinds of non sequiturs. And then, and then the the adjacent thing, you know, like you know, well, because yeah. you, because you, I forget. There was a couple of things where they, they were they made it appear that we were adjacent to you know far right, whatever. It's just like, yeah, they will try those tactics all the time. We're not far right, and it doesn't really matter. No, you know, other it's people's behavior. So.
2: Mm-hmm. Sorry, yeah,
1: it's like they start
2: with it's the same thing on an individual level. People start by calling you transphobic, expecting that you will be so horrified at being called transphobic that you'll just back down and mm-hmm. slink away. And then that obviously hasn't worked with all of us. So then it moves on to you're alt right, you're yeah. a fascist, you're a Nazi, yada yada. And it's yeah. like, you know keep trying. We're not we're not adjacent. To anything where except maybe like truth and reason <laughs> we're more than adjacent
1: Yes, yeah, we're 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 congruent with those yeah <laughs> we're completely 100 congruent with truth and reality yeah um, yeah so so that that happened and so that was uh and then they put out a second one as well. The, the oh, here's the thing about the Canadian Anti Hate Network, which makes it sound so wonderful. They're <laughs> they're federally funded. Mm-hmm. They're a non governmental organization, so they're basically a propaganda yeah. <clears throat> arm of the Trudeau government. Yeah, and <laughs> on their Twitter, they're promoting Pornhub. Yeah. yeah.
2: Disgusting,
1: and we know what's going on with Pornhub um, because they they make money off
2: of videos of trafficked women and underaged, trafficked girls in rape videos. Like they're they are, as far as I'm concerned, scum of the earth at Pornhub. Mm
1: -hmm. And it's Canadian; it's Montreal-based, and the Canadian Anti-Hate Network is promoting them saying, you know, saying that somehow being anti-porn is being alt-right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that, that's, that tells you everything right there. Um, and that, you know, any, any, they, they went so far as to say, they shared a slate uh, 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 opinion piece or, you know, that basically said that if you, um, that, that it's a, it's a pattern that, that anti porn is uh like neo nazi. Good lord.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's just so deranged. deranged. It's
1: completely it's completely deranged. And then of course now it, most recently we find out that the former president of the Liberal Party of Canada has now put in a bid to buy Pornhub. So mm-hmm. in there are no coincidences and certainly no coincidences in politics. So that I, we're going to have to watch that very, very closely. Like, why would that guy? Yeah, who's so connected to the Liberal Party wanted to buy Pornhub.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's crazy.
1: It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, and then the next thing we know, this wisdom to action. Oh, Anti-Hate Network had put out a second piece that was about um, some sticker operations going on in, in Ottawa. Um, And, uh, and they were really alarmed that there was quote unquote transphobic um, messages going up in the byword market and so on. And um, that, you know, they can call it transphobic. It's not, it's pro woman and it's pro reality and it's pro biology. And, uh, and they, they, so they, they felt the need to write, about that specifically. And then and then ringleader of the trans world, um, I believe that person's name is Faye Johnstone. And okay. um, that person, um, I believe this is what our intel tells us is that um, was the ringleader in this wisdom to action letter, uh, which you wanna talk about that, Amy, about what happened with that?
2: Yeah, so there's this, um, let me pull it up there called action canada for sexual health and rights and they published this letter there's a big banner on the page our feminism is trans inclusive um they vehemently reject dangerous and bigoted rhetoric and ideology espoused by turfs um and then they go on to say that our um advocacy is guided by a fundamental desire to reinforce a colonial gender binary and exempt trans people from human rights prote- protections um by defining gender as based solely on sex we s- turfs strive to oust trans people from women's spaces and perpetuate violence against trans and gender diverse communities um so it just it rambles on uh and then it has signatories A hundred signatories. A lot of them are YWCA groups from various cities, everything from Toronto um, to Banff and and actually YWCA Canada. Um, Just complete garbage. And, you know, I like where Cosvar is responding to this as well, but the part that really gets me is the perpetuating violence. And it's like... Show me one example of any violence that women have enacted upon trans or non-binary people in Canada. You, will not, you won't find a single instance. There's definitely a problem with male violence in Canada. Um, and there's also a problem with men and women, you know, making threats against so-called TERFs. Go to turfisaslur.com.
1: Mm-hmm. You you will see that, and it is so um, vicious and outrageous that you know that it hasn't been addressed as a problem yet is very telling. Um, yeah, because it suits the powers that be for us to be threatened. It's very similar to the suffragette mu- movement, how the suffragists were. Uh, uh, threatened with violence, and they and all of those um, anti-suffragist propaganda um, images that came out with women with their with their mouths clamped shut, and you know, uh, yeah. all this kind of stuff. You know, shut up, suffragettes, and that was like this picture of a big male. At, I don't,
2: I can't remember which country it was. It in France. I know Marguerite Stern, who we've had on the podcast, she shared this photo. So it's a big male, maybe, I don't know, trans woman, I'm not sure. It's a male with long hair at a lesbian march wearing the face mask says feminist as fuck and the t-shirt says kill the turf. Um, You know, walking like a big, huge man walking through a lesbian march with a t-shirt about killing women and this is this is what is progressive this is these 100 signatories of canadian groups this is what they stand for apparently they will call us violent and uh, make not a peep about the countless um, instances where things like this have happened
1: and um, turf is a slur and it's been found to be a slur in the british courts Um, it's never been challenged in canada in such a way um, but I think that we, what we really have to do, I mean, we, we use it, we've reclaimed the word turf and a lot of us, yeah. um, have some fun with it, but it's no different than any community, uh, reclaiming a slur, you know? Yeah. I mean, women will call each other bitches. Oh, you bitch. Right. But it's, yeah. you know, but if a man calls you that, that's like not cool. Or, you know, the N word or, you know, uh, if you're a Asian slur, you name it. Right um, you can call each other within, within your group, because it's just a way, it's almost like gallows humor in a sense, you know, like, it's just like, we're making fun of it and, and (laughs) you can't hurt us. Right. And, and we're, we're just going to take it back. And, but, but for others, so that they would actually write a letter, a formal letter and get a hundred signatures and, and, and the the, the title of the letter can, it is a slur itself um, and inaccurate, as as you point out, because you you wrote the letter that in um, as a response to it and which will go to them. But you point out that, and we you know we point this out all the time. It's inaccurate. We don't yeah. we don't exclude anybody. Okay, here's the thing about so-called turfs. Um, many are not radical feminists.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: many are just gender critical many uh reject the label feminist feminist yeah they don't feel that they align with feminism in general yeah um so there's that so that the f part is is uh is (laughs) accurate the r part is inaccurate because some women don't even know what radical feminism is yeah and also, there are many men who are gender critical. Yeah. So they're not radical feminists because fem- feminism is women only, right? And so we, And we don't exclude anybody.
2: Yeah, um, which, which leads to the TE part is,
1: you know, yeah. feminism
2: is for females. So if you are a female, you are included in feminism. And whether you identify as a male or not, you are a female. You're included in feminism. Um, yeah, no exclusion.
1: Yeah, there's no exclusion. And, and womanhood is not a club anyway. Yeah. There's no way to exclude anybody. Like, you are, you're, you are a woman, and as de facto, you are in girlhood or womanhood. De facto. Yeah. It's, yeah. there's no way to exclude anybody.
2: No. <laughs> How could it's, we?
1: It's like, men, you're excluding males by excluding effeminate males. The yeah. men are the exclusionary ones, really.
2: Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm sure a lot of males would be okay with it um like having trans women in their bathrooms obviously there's an issue with homophobia and some men need to deal with that but that yeah like we said that's your issue to solve it's not women's issue to have to figure out how to accommodate effeminate men in our spaces or to you know solve you you say well we're afraid of male violence in these so are we and that's why this is a problem for you to solve as males
1: exactly and we don't we don't incite male violence like no like do, do you really think we have the power to incite male violence like sick of boys you know <laughs> like, like we're gonna we're gonna say yeah we don't like that we don't like that guy in a dress so you better go beat him up this is, just, you know, it doesn't, oh, doesn't really, yeah. doesn't work that way. And, um, and we don't actually ever even say that we don't like any, of, like, because we're for gender nonconformity. If, yeah. if a guy wants to wear a dress and lipstick and nail polish and like get tarted up and look, okay, fine. You know, it. do it. Express yeah. yourself. Amazing. Yeah. It's just that you're not one of us. Yeah. yeah yeah you know and same with same with women who who like to present in a in a masculine way love it it's awesome you look great you're awesome <laughs> do yeah. what you want does that make you feel comfortable okay great yeah. awesome you're still in the sisterhood
2: though yeah.
1: exactly <laughs> you can't hate the sisterhood exactly you're, <laughs> you're, you're it you're in it so yeah um so, yeah, I don't know whether there's too much else to talk about other than um, going reaching way back to because we we haven't like this is the first time you and I have just had like just one big long um, chat session for the for an episode. And, and um, so if we go all the way back to uh, this, our, the censorship of the gender critical story hour with Anchor mm-hmm. and how we felt about that, um that was, that was just like a little shocking at the time because we're, we're like, this is a small podcast. Like how, how, how on earth could that happen? Just one single guy. So yeah. if you want to recap, I mean, most of our listeners probably know cause it was written up in the post millennial by Libby Emmons. Thank you, Libby. Um, mm-hmm. But um, just the quick recap.
2: I'm trying to remember this loser's name. It was like Dr. S- cuddles or dr. oh yeah
1: yeah yeah dr cuddles or some stupid thing
2: <laughs> some weirdo with an even yeah. smaller podcast than we have and uh, it, yeah dr cuddles let's call him complained of, about us being turfs to anchor and they pulled they they pulled our podcast from their website so we moved to rss.com and so this Dr. Cuddles uh, does a podcast about porn. Yeah. He talks about porn. And like, you know, it's just so, it's so typical that you just, you know, it takes one letter to cancel women who are talking about women's rights. And lo and behold, it's some porn addicted, woke doctor.
1: Australia. Dr. Yeah. from Australia. <laughs> yeah. It's like, why do you like we're a couple of women in Canada and you're in Australia and you just, you're so self-righteous. He, his first shot was about how he was making snarky remarks about our episode with Barbara Kay. And, right. and he said, he goes, he goes, Oh yeah. I was just laughing my ass off that, you know, you were saying that um, you don't have a platform on your, on your podcast. Yeah, ironic. Right. And then he goes and gets our podcast removed.
0: It's
1: like case in point. right? (laughs) Yeah, you just made our point, you idiot.
2: Yeah, same concept where these people are like, oh, quit acting like you don't have a platform. um, When you know, you're, you're speaking at an all right rally, or you're getting published in Federalist or Colette or whatever publication it is that I mean Colette's not a right-wing publication to begin with but so maybe that's not the greatest example but like Daily Mail if Julie Mm -hmm. Bindle reads for Daily Mail or something like that and it's like well this so you're saying we have a platform but we're excluded from left-wing publications and left-wing platforms and libraries try to shut down our talks so you know it's like we can't win we we don't have a lot of platforms that are available to you and then when we go to the platforms that we do have you try to cancel us um or you just complain bitterly that it's the wrong platform and that because we went there we're nazis
1: mm-hmm. and they don't they don't see any anything wrong with their argument you know it's just like but this is why you really can't care what anybody thinks You just have to be able to. And this is why uh, right from the start, we really admired the approach of um, the women's liberation front who has gotten a lot of flack themselves. um, Mm -hmm. But now, and, and, um, and you see like, you know, Fox news, it's like, they're having on women's liberation front. Now they're having on Kara Dansky from the women's human rights campaign, who formerly of, of uh, Wolf. And she and she's she's got she's got a great platform there on with yeah. the Tuck, Tucker Carlson, and he's having great conversations. I mean, he he does a good interview, and he is allowing her to um, to come on and, and give her side of the story. And uh, yeah, it's strange bedfellows, but that's that's politics for you, and we have to accept it and use what we whatever we can use. Uh, yeah, to get this done. And, um, and, you know, most of the women that we're working with, they're totally on board with our strategy. Like it's very, yeah. it's very, very heartening to know that there are so many great women who are just yeah. like, yes, this is the strategy. We have to, we have to all hold hands together. We have to use any means necessary. This is an emergency. We have to get the word out. We have to do what we have to do. And, you know, everyone else can be damned because um, nothing has worked so far. So now we got to try something new.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it is working, as
1: evidenced by
2: the uh, panic that is erupting Mm -hmm. among the trans activists. Mm -hmm.
1: It's good. We're here.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We're not going anywhere.
1: (laughs) Yeah. We're going to make some noise, so yeah yeah making noise and so yeah thank you for being so out there amy and like going to being at the you know doing the the rally that you did recently in vancouver and and giving a great speech and writing for the post-millennial and um mm-hmm. you know being open at work and and being putting yourself in um danger there with your livelihood um i think you know you are you are loved by so many for your bravery, so I just want to get that Thank on the record here. <laughs> oh, including me. <laughs> including me. Oh, I love you. <laughs> yeah. oh. It's too bad we're so far away from each other. But I know.
2: Yeah. I'll I'll come that's like maybe maybe I'll just announce it here at the end of our episode is that I've um, taken on our like a role within Causebar to work on events. So I'm hoping to get this year up and running some outdoor events cuz you can't do anything indoors because of COVID, but um yeah, I kind of want to do like cross Canada outdoor rallies to raise awareness about Causebar and like what our mission is and what we're doing. So I want to come to Toronto.
1: Yeah. Good. We'll be We'll be looking forward to all that and seeing you yeah. here. And I don't know whether I can get out to Vancouver, but that would be fun too. hmm mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And yeah, we're working on getting some more guests. Um. So yeah, we'll try and get more podcasts out soon as well.
1: Yeah. It's been a bit of a lull due to various things, but uh, with Amy, with things with work and kids and me with, um, with work and, uh, taking care of a sick pat and <laughs> life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, we just, we want to just keep doing these, even if we're not doing them as more as often as we would like to do them, but we'll keep plugging away. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. Right. So anyway, we're going to sign off now. Hopefully everybody has a great week and, couple of weeks until you hear from us again. So, take care. <laughs> Bye. Bye everyone. Thanks for listening. Gender Critical Story Hour is written and produced by Amy Ham and Esme V. Intro music by Nahanda. We'd love to hear from you. Tell us your peak trans stories, how gender identity ideology has impacted your life. Or just say hi and let us know your thoughts about the podcast. Write to us at gendercriticalstoryhour at gmail.com. Tweet to us at GCStoryHour. Take care, keep strong, and keep talking. Bye for now.
0: Gender Critical Story
2: Hour is sponsored by the Mythical Biological Female.
1: I'm your man.